1: This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made For This podcast.
0: Well, y'all, you are in for a treat. This is a new thing that we're doing on the podcast because usually we have a different guest each week, but we were like, you know what? Let's mix it up. So for the next three weeks, you are going to hear from Jenny and Dr. Allison Cook, Make sure you listen to all three episodes, take a lot of notes, you're going to want to. So here's Jenny and Dr. Allison Cook.
1: Well, guys, this is exciting for me because Dr. Cook, and I'm going to call you Allison just because I feel like you're my friend now, but I know that you have served a lot of... People with your resources, but also your work. And so I just thank you so much for being here. So, Allison, you are, let's talk a little bit about your role and what you would say that you do. Well, I'm a psychologist,
2: but my specialty is really integrating faith with psychology. So, I did my master's in counseling at a seminary, and then my doctoral work was in both psychology and theology, because in my mind, the two are inseparable. You know, we can't know ourselves without knowing God. But at the same time, we can't really know God if we don't fully bring all of who we are, even the ugly parts, to God. So that's really where I love to intersect
1: and overlap, is in that integration of faith and psychology.
2: So thanks for having me, Jenny.
1: Well, this is a different type of therapy, per se. Um, And I'm going to talk a little bit about the differences. Uh, My my daughter, who has gone to counseling, different types of counselors, she just noticed and went to a counselor that's similar to the type of counseling we're going to talk about today. and her mind was blown. She called me afterwards. She was like, I had no idea these connections in my life that this difficult circumstance that happened when I was 10 was still affecting me now that I'm getting married. And so she's just, her mind's blown that these connections are being made. And I would think that happens all the time for you, that people don't understand or believe that something that happens to them when they were five years old is still with them in their 40-year-old body or their 25-year-old body. Talk a little bit about that phenomenon and what you see people do when, when they realize this is such a big connection. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I did it in my
2: own life. I kept going back to these painful memory, you know, in seventh grade. And I'm like, why is this important to me? Why does this matter? Well, we pick up these wounds and where we have wounds, whether they're big or little, right? All of us have picked up a wound. They're not all these big giant T trauma. Some of them are smaller ones, but where we pick up a wound, we pick up a message. And almost always that message is self-shaming or self-blaming, right? And so something toxic that, that just gets inside, even if it's a little sliver into our souls. And we take that with us into our adult relationships. And it's so freeing to be able to do that work of looking inside and going, oh, this is where I've got a bruise. I've got a wound. This is why, this is why I act in this way. And people are so afraid to do this work. And I'm like, oh, you don't even understand, but it's so freeing once you know, because then you know, and then you can Behave and, and, and ask your friends for what you need and get what you need out of your adult relationships.
1: Well, it's interesting. My my sister just did some therapy for an intensive season and specifically with trauma and looking back. And there's, there's a part of me that, that initially thinks – why go back to these difficult things, right? I think we all do. The, why, why do I need to go back and look at this? And it was so exhausting for her. And I actually went and visited her in the middle of it. And a few days ago, she said, Jenny, I don't know what's different, but everything is different. Like I feel physically different. I feel emotionally different, like something unlocked. I want to start with just what that is. Like scientifically, what is happening when you go back and visit that trauma? we're carrying these memories.
2: First, I want to just address the point. I do want to say we look back, but not to stare, right? We look back to move forward. So it is important. We want to also move forward, right? But the looking back to get the information is we, we have these memories that live inside our bodies. They live in the synapses of our brains. They, you know, when something comes at us, right? Like somebody triggers us, somebody activates us. We get frustrated. We don't know why. It's because it's there for a reason, and usually there's something that has happened in our nervous system, in our brain, going all the way up to our brain, where we've been conditioned to one of four typically fight, flight, freeze, or fawn responses. We've been conditioned to wait, these wait, responses. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, again. Yeah, 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 fight. Right. We want to lash out. Right. And 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 sometimes maybe the person did do something, but we find ourselves lashing out, and then we're like, "What in the heck just happened to me? Why did I get?" that big response to maybe a small thing that came my way flight, which is avoidance. You know, we want to just run the other way, you know, freeze, which means we freeze. And we're sort of in this, like, I, I don't know. I I'm just stuck, which is so many of us. And then there's this fond response, which I think is fascinating. And it's a conditioned response where again, as a child, you learn, maybe there's chaos in your home. Maybe your parents aren't paying attention to you. And what you learn is if I can be kind enough, if I can Mm. please enough, if I can take care of everybody else, guess what? I get a hit of dopamine. I get a hit of something that feels good. And all of a sudden, that's how I go about my business in the world. I just make everybody else feel happy. I caretake, I please. It's called the fawn response. And it's a way of kind of hiding your own needs, making everybody else feel good, but it's inside our nervous system. It's been conditioned biochemically. And so it's not so simple as just to say, I need to stop doing that, or I need to will myself to stop doing that, which is often where we go, especially as Christians, we're like, it's wrong. I shouldn't do it. I'll just stop. And it's like, you got to retrain
1: your whole system because it's learned to do that for a long, long time. Well, a lot of people here know I'm a part of a cohort where we're talking about these things. And it's been so helpful. There is something about connection and doing this with community and not doing it alone. Talk about just that connection too, because I think everybody listening right now is trying to diagnose themselves. And they're going to listen to these episodes that we're going to do together. And by the way, we are going to do three episodes because I think this is so important. We are going to dive really deeply into this because... This is, you know, again, hey, free counseling for you. Yay. You're going to get a lot of insight, but if you leave it in your mind, that's not enough. It's not enough to know things. I think we are people that that think if we just know it and understand it, that we can fix it. Exactly. But-, but that's head knowledge, right? That's a part of us. That's that intellectualizing part
2: of us that's like, oh, I have all the data now, but that actually hasn't impacted the place of the wound, which is why we have to go back, which is why we have to reconnect to that memory to that painful moment with a loving, compassionate presence. And that's how God designed us. God designed us to heal, but not to heal in isolation. And the whole problem is the isolation, because when we have these wounds, that's what happens as children, is we are alone with our pain, right? When you're alone with your pain, you start to make sense of it in a way that is self-shaming. The antidote to that is to bring that pain into loving presence, And that's where we begin to experience in our bodies, in our minds, in our souls, what safety feels like. We're getting into attachment a little bit and I can go there if you want me to. But when we had that feeling of safety, oh my gosh, I just told this thing that either feels silly to me or feels shameful to me or feels just terrifying to me Uh, with these women who are just sitting there looking at me going, I love you. I'm with you. You haven't scared me a couple of things are happening. Number one, our nervous system is going back to that state that God originally designed it, which is calm, clear. It's the fruit of the spirit. It's, oh my gosh, this this is what it feels like just to feel calm, to feel centered, to feel wise. But that happens in community. That happens in that compassionate presence. Number two, we get a glimpse of what God is like because we're, our nervous systems have been wired to respond to what we got as children. And if we got neglect, if we got parents who are sometimes present, sometimes dealing with their own stuff, not there for us, not to blame or shame parents, you know, even the worst, you know, we have we all have our moments, but whatever we got, right, we get healed in the context of another safe, loving Environment. That's the beauty. We can heal. And so, but we have to have that experience for our nervous system, for our bodies to understand what safety feels like inside of us, what it feels like to move from that fight, flight, that adrenalized, or that numbing state to just, oh my gosh, I was just seen, heard. Nobody tried to even fix me, but I just feel
1: less shame and more calm. It's amazing to be a part of. Well, and and I believe in this because I've seen how it has changed me and I've seen that the more I am known and safe and secure, the more I can offer that to other people and I believe create beauty and, and that's what Kurt Thompson talks a lot about and it has been true for me. It's it's something I've experienced, but it is not something that I was taught. Prior to this season of my life, in fact, it was the opposite. When you are talking about fixing, and when you are talking about ha- having the right answers, and there's a right way to do this, even to heal, right? We we all are living, I think, with that pressure, even on ourselves, to be well, to be yeah. whole, to be fixed. So I think there's a there's a even just what you're saying is like too good to be true, right? It's it's that you're saying I could just heal in the context of being known and loved and seen because everybody thinks there has to be a right answer there's truth and it's got to come fast it's so true and it's so it's it's
2: changed my whole relationship to community you know as as
1: as someone who's both experienced
2: it and been a part of it but that's why i constantly go back to curiosity it actually takes the pressure off us as friends as ministry leaders as therapists as pastors we don't have to have all the answers we do have to have curiosity and just saying, tell me more. What happened? I'm so curious about you. I want to know more. That in and of itself opens up that that nerve, opens up that sort of healing balm. We and that's what I mean by God designed our nervous system. And Kurt, you know, can give you all the, you know, I can go into a little bit of it, but give you all the biochemistry of that, right? But the reality is our nervous systems are designed to return to that calm, centered place in the context of being known. And if you think about a a tiny baby, a tiny child, what do they need? Do they need a lot of advice? Do they need a lot of, you know, what they need is to be held, to be seen, to be, I talk a lot when we're talking about attachment, they need presence, presence, much more than words, much more than I love you, which can mean, or this is what you need, which might be helpful, but can also be, you know, meaningless. Presence is I am right here. I see you. I see what's hard. I see what you're struggling with. I'm holding up this mirror. I'm right here with you. I'm not going to leave you. That's what our children need, right? They need that. It doesn't mean we give them everything they want, but we're going to be right there with them, even in the disappointment of what we can't give them. That's what we need. Then that's what we do when we repair in these communities with each other. We provide that loving presence. So when someone comes into the group and has this terrible traumatic story. We don't have to fix that for them. We don't even have to, we can be there with them. I'm not going to leave you. I want to know more. Tell me more. It's that curiosity that brings the healing.
1: Mm. Well, I know that One of the things that has been life-changing for me in this season is exactly what you practice and you've written about in both of your books that I highly recommend. The Best of You is the newest one, and I think this is the one you want. Uh, Boundaries of the Soul is the one that I have read more of, and it is fantastic, but I think this is kind of the layman's version, and so you're going to want this, The Best of You. And then Boundaries of the Soul was just so helpful too for me because it talks about different parts of us that – that we are are more complicated than, in fact, that really was, that idea is what started this whole season for me, was this summer as I did therapy and I started realizing there are different parts of me. And a part of me is anxious about going back to work. And a part of me is really excited about going back to work. I love what I do. And the fact that both of those things could be present in me was just mind-blowing. And I know people listening are going, really, Jenny, that is 101. It was not for me. Why was it not? But but this is this one idea just sent me on this journey of really uncovering what you do, what you talk a lot about. So let's just set that up real quickly, just this idea that there are different parts of us.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, I want what's mind blowing about what you just shared. Isn't that the two things exist? I think people, but that they can both exist side by it's okay. You don't have to right. choose one. You can be both excited right. and anxious and both are serving a role in your system. So the mo- the model of therapy that I talk about, and I think you're exactly right. Boundaries for your soul is the deep dive into a specific approach. Um, whereas the best of you is a little more general layman's, but it's called the internal family systems model. Now, All that means is if you think about it, we have an inner family, just like if you think about you have to parent your external family, you have parts of you on the inside that require a wise adult to parent. And the best example of it, it came out a few years ago is the Pixar movie Inside Out, right? Where we saw brilliant, uh, brilliant. (laughs) you see the anger and the fear and all the different. And and I love how they show the parents and then the mom's trying to check out, you know, I mean, there's all the different. And that is a exactly what is happening in all of our souls. But where we think is that we have to pick the best one and move with that one. Instead of going, each of those emotions is attached to a part of us that is there for a reason. And where's that wise adult spirit led where the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, right? We call it in in our book, we called it the spirit led self. It's that place where the Holy Spirit lives in Jenny or lives in me, lives in Allison. So I have to parent those parts of me. I have to go. There's a part of me that's anxious. There's a part of me that's really excited. There's also a part of me that's feeling really tender and scared. That's the vulnerable parts of us we don't want to face. All of those are valid, but I also don't want to let any one of those take me over in any given moment, right? If we learn how to, and we're learning how to drive this bus of our life, it takes some skill and some nuance, Mm -hmm. right? To make sure not one of those parts gets up into the driver's seat, but we're kind of, they're all allowed to be there but we are going to, I, with the Holy Spirit's help, I'm going to drive them well and wisely and with discernment.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, you look at scripture and it talks about this. You see, you know, I know the famous line is that David says, um, I said to my soul, like I, I counseled my own soul, that we are people, and this is what Get Out of Your Head was all about, that we are people who have more volition and we have more authority over our own minds and lives than we like to admit or act like on a given day. And so, you know, what's the point though? What, like, I mean, right now I'm thinking of the person that's like, wait, we're doing this for three weeks, Jenny, come on. Like this is, we, we believe in the Bible here. Like where, where does this come from? And I want to just say, this is good work. Like you're going to actually, if you stick with us for the next three weeks and for the season, what you're going to feel at the end of this is you're going to feel empowered to lead yourself to know how to make sense of the parts of you, those parts of you, whether you want to admit it or not, have a lot of control over your relationships, over your mood today, over everything about you. And so the power of this, and I just want to, in case you're like about to turn it off or you think, I don't know, this feels really deep and I don't know if I can do this. I just want to say this actually is going to bring clarity in your mind and your life for what you're feeling and why you're feeling it and where it's coming from. And that's going to help serve the relationships in your life. So so before we go into it any deeper, but I, we're going to have to go in a little deep for, for people to really get it. But why don't we start with the different parts? Because I do think that will give everybody a little better picture of what we're talking about.
2: Yeah. So in this model, and we, which we adapted again with the Christian theology, um, there are three categories of parts. They're the protector parts. These are the parts of us, I kind of, you can kind of run the Enneagram wheel with them, but they're the parts of us that want to please, produce, perform, peacekeep. They're the parts of us that essentially want to manage the perceptions of everybody around us. This is not all bad. We do need to get dressed and go to the grocery store with clothes on. You know, we don't want to wear our pajamas everywhere. I mean, again, we're in a post COVID world, but.
1: The right that Sometimes that was okay. I was gonna say, I've walked out in some very questionable clothing lately. Yes. Very there, comfortable.
2: There is There's is a time and a place to put our best foot forward, right? Where we do want to sort of, but if that's all we're doing, so these are these protective parts. They want to keep us from making a fool of ourselves. They want to keep other people thinking we are okay. But if that's all you're doing, and that was my story, I found out, I was like, I only, I've been conditioned with this FOM response. It was like, I only knew how to walk into a room full of people and please everybody in front of me. I didn't know how to walk into a room full of people and say, I'm tired today, or even acknowledge that inside of myself, right? So these are those protectors. They're trying to keep us safe in front of everybody else, manage perceptions, what happens? We get exhausted because we're so tired managing everybody's perceptions, producing, performing, pleasing, all the things. So the second category of parts called firefighters, we numb out. We just put out the flames. We start to get tired. We start to kind of the facade drops this persona we've created. We can't keep it up. So what do we do? Well, in extreme cases, we might use the booze, drugs, but you know, some of us just Binge television for six hours or scroll social media, you know, or um, go down that road or shop or, you know, all the things that we do to just kind of check ourselves out. And we do this mindlessly. Again, not all bad when done with intention. Sometimes we need to yeah. soothe ourselves in a healthy way and say, Man, I'm going to check out tonight with a really good show, but I'm doing it with intention. I'm doing right. it because it's what I actually need. So these firefighters are, oh, none of these are bad but they go extreme. And this is what you were getting at when you were saying we're doing these things mindlessly. And so therefore we're not in charge of our own life. And what psychologists call it's agency, right? We're not taking the wheel of our own life. I think scripturally it's responsibility. It's personal. It's the free will that God has given us, you know, to steward our lives. Right. So that's where I see most people. Most people are like, You know, I'm working all day and I'm exhausted. And then I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm like just sitting in front of the TV for four days. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, this is what they come into my office. That's the presenting
1: problem. and We have to get to that third category. So the firefighter, you're saying those are the things that are making us cope. That's just, I'm tired. I want to check out. That's the coping parts of us. Okay. And you're saying there's a third part too.
2: Yeah. So those are the two we see the most. We're either trying to get people to manage their perceptions or we're checking out were numbing pain. The third part, the, the, this is the third part and they're called exiled parts. And that's because they're the parts of us we don't want to face. This is the
1: parts of us that your <laughs> listeners are going, I don't want to go there. Right? I yes.
2: Know. I do I do the thing. I do the
1: thing. And Come I'm on like, guys. Don't but, go anywhere. I don't want to see the numbers plummet <laughs> at this moment right now. Just stop. Come on. I promise Stay. you these parts of you are precious.
2: And when you get to know them, you will be a more fulfilled. Your your relationships will be better. You'll be a better. But they're the parts of us that harbor the loneliness, the pain from the past, the hurts, the depression, the sadness, the grief. Um, sometimes we exile our anger. We don't want to face our anger. We're we're bitter, doubt, self doubt. All these things we do not want to mm-hmm. face. Who wants to go home and go? Wow, I really need to deal with my loneliness tonight. It's so much easier to reach for the remote, but <laughs> right, if we don't deal with that. It's a, and here's the thing: I always go to Jesus. I mean, who did Jesus bring in the closest? It was the people who were hurting, right? It was the people who were who were on the outs. Those are the parts of us I believe Jesus wants to bring into the forefront. Not so they can stay, so we can give those parts of us the care that they need. So we can say to a dear friend, instead of clicking the remote, right? When we're not, we can go, I am really lonely. And because of that, I am on overdrive over here in my work life. It's because I'm terrified to go home and be by myself. You know what I really need to do? And it's going to be the hardest thing I've done. I need to call a friend Mm -hmm. and I need to say, I am so lonely. Could Mm -hmm. you come sit with me? Mm -hmm. That is when we start leading ourselves. That is hard that is being vulnerable, all of a sudden that part of us goes, oh my gosh, uh, it's okay to be lonely, not to stay there, but because I can give myself the actual care that I need. So these exiled parts of us are the parts of us we have to get to know. They're the parts of us we're scared to get to know because sometimes they bring up pain and sometimes they go all the way back to the traumas from our past.
1: Yeah. Well, I know right now everybody's a little overwhelmed at that fact, what you just said, that there, what if it brings up things from my past and what good is that? And again, you guys, I am part of where my line of questioning comes from is my own war to do this. In fact, everybody in that cohort would laugh really hard if you said something to them, if you saw Jessica Hunter on the street or Jamie Ivy and said, "Hey, does does Jenny Allen just love this work?" You, they would all laugh. Like th- everybody knows, Jenny Allen's heels are dug dug in, and like this is hard for me, but I've done it. And as I've done it, the less my heels are dug in because the more I realize, oh gosh, no, this is actually freeing, and this is actually causing health and wholeness, even in my relationships, and so. I, I, we're gonna get there. In fact, in the third episode, we're going to talk about just the outworking of this in our lives and our relationships. but but I do think a little motivation might be helpful right here right now, Allison. So if you could just say, you know as we as we close out this episode, why? Why do this? Why go there? And in fact, in the next episode, I think what would be cool is if we went there for one of my things, if you're okay with that. Like, let's do a little little therapy next session. And so I'm going to need a little motivation here, too. So tell everybody why it's worth it. Because again, when you face, you know, I'll tell a little story that's kind of a
2: good one. Right before I was getting married, I was terrified that all this fear was lurking. And I, I, I had just started doing this work. This was a while, it was years ago. I pulled my car over. And I said, Oh my gosh, a part of me is terrified. And all of a sudden, everything inside me calmed down because when I, when I hadn't addressed that fear and it was just running roughshod over my hole, I'm like, am I making a mistake? Is this a bad thing? Should I, you know, and all of a sudden it just occurred to me, Oh my gosh, of course I'm scared. This is scary. This is mm. a big deal it is scary. And again, there's, a, you know, this is where people get into the, it's, we, we call it differentiation, right? In psychology, I can differentiate from the fear, like in the movie, if you think of the inside out and kind of look at the fear instead of the fear running circles through my brain, creating all this commotion. It's almost like I could look at the fear and go, oh, I see you. And it gets little. It's like, of course yeah. you're afraid. Be a little afraid. It's okay to be a little afraid. All of a sudden my whole nervous system calmed down. And I was like, Of course, you're a little afraid. That's okay. You can be there with me. That's actually going to help me be a little bit more calm, a little bit more relaxed. So, as you do this work, what feels big gets little. It's still there, and it should be there. There's there's a lot of things in life that you know create some of these, but it gets small, and we can kind of tend to ourselves so gently, so that then we show up and we're. We're just clear, we're calmer, we're we're more joyful because we've done that work to name, you know, naming is taming, to quote Kurt, you know, when we name something without shame, there's no shame in it, all of a sudden we just feel a little lighter, a little clearer, a little more confident, a little braver. Isn't that how we want to show up in our
1: relationships? Mm. That's
2: how that's the person we want to be.
1: Yeah, I love it. So I think everybody listening is probably feeling overwhelmed of oh gosh there's all these parts of me and I fight and I flight and all these different things. So so let's simplify this down today. What is one thing that people can walk away with and think about this week before next week when we're together again that would help maybe begin to to diagnose and piece apart all these messy yeah. parts of
2: it. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that because I don't want people to get, I don't want anyone listening to get hung up on these technical terms. It's not helpful. That's just getting in our heads. What I do think is helpful this week is just start to notice and get curious. The next time you notice anger or a little bit of fear or a little bit of see what would happen if just even, you know, you're doing the dishes. I wonder what that's about. I'm going to get curious about that. I wonder why I felt that way in that moment. Just a little bit of noticing, ask yourself, can I do that? Can I notice that part of me and just get curious about it instead of trying to get myself to do better, beating myself up? What if I could just kind of notice, wow, isn't that interesting that I just felt like I so wanted to compare myself to that other person. I I just jot it down in your journal. I I noticed that I did that today. Don't try to fix it. (laughs) Just notice it and go, What if Allison said, just noticing it, you know, it's not bad. It's there for a reason. What if I could just notice it and try to notice, is there a critical voice? Is there a shaming voice? And could I just begin to say to myself, maybe I don't have to go down that road. Maybe I'm just getting to know myself a little
0: bit. Guys, this is just part of the amazing little series that we are doing with Allison I mean you can't just do one episode with Allison Cook I mean she's amazing and you need to go right now find her book it's called the best of you so helpful it's it's like counseling in a book that's all I'm gonna say so run you can go to any book retailer and find it and if you want more from Allison she's got a podcast and you can go to drallisoncook.com thanks we'll see you next time